Welcome to Hillcrest Church Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. We're not Tim or Christian, um, as you can probably tell. Uh, but uh, we are also from 412 Youth Ministry. My name is Bennett. I lead a high school small group there. I've led it for two years with David Bungie. It's been awesome. Um, and this is my good friend over here. Hi, uh, my name is Colby Manning. Um, I'm 17 years old. I'm a junior at Bellingham, and I'm a student at 412, and Bennett is my uh, small group leader. Yes, so fun. So we're amped to be up here. Um, little, like, secret side note. We're both students right now. I'm at Western oh, yeah. high, high School. And so we uh, are really good at procrastinating assignments. And like, you know, it gives you, it helps you do it better. And so <laughs> this, uh, this year's sermon was handcrafted last night. Yeah. But it is, nope. don't let that take it away. Anyways, um, okay. So... I've grown up in, uh, at Hillcrest. I've, it's been amazing. And I, uh, I was thinking, how do you start a sermon? And if I've learned anything from Tim and Christian, it's you start with a story. So we're starting with a story. Um, when I got out of high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I decided to go join this missions group called YWAM. I ended up with staying with them for like four years. It was awesome. Great decision. Uh, I loved it. It helped me grow a bunch, and it also gave me just a lot of, like, wild life stories that you wouldn't get any other way. Um, and so one of these, I was leading a group of 15, me and two co-leaders were leading a group of 15 people to Nepal, and we were there for like, two months, and one of those months, we were trekking. It was amazing. We were in this area. Oh, yeah, this is a, a picture from the spot, Nepal. Um, <laughs> And we were trekking to um, either really like, like minorly reached people groups or a few that, as far as we knew, were unreached people groups. We had these, uh, these audio Bibles that had been um, translated into different dialects for different like tribes out there, and they were solar-powered, and so once you get them, they could just run forever. So what we would do is we would go, and we would um, meet someone that was potentially interested in, you know, continuing this work, and we'd show them how to do it. We'd run a few, like, Bible studies with them, get them to kind of ask questions, and then we'd move on, leaving these things in each village. So it was amazing. Um, but maybe the most, like, life-changing part of it was the travel, uh, getting to and from these places. So we flew in to this little mountain town, and it was terrifying. Like, I don't like planes, but there's a certain point where they go over these mountains and then they like turn the plane off in order to get the right angle. And there was so many points where I was like, this is it. It's been so fun. Um, I hope it goes quickly. Um, however, we were there for a while in, the, in the, this mountain range and then monsoon season started. So we couldn't get a plane back because these pilots didn't fly with instruments. They only flew by sight. So we didn't want to risk it. Um, and so we had one option, which was a janky little metal bus, like metal, like the entire thing, like the seats were metal. Somehow everything was metal in the bus. And it was a 37-hour 
ride back to Kathmandu. Um, and it was all mountain roads, terrifying. And there are a few things that got in our way. I mean, A, the plane, but a few things that got in our way of getting back to where we wanted to go or moving towards where we wanted to go. Um, one of these things that I'll highlight uh, was happened after a 2 a.m. stop. We stopped for food, go to the bathroom, the driver got some more energy drinks. And <laughs> along these stops, there's not really much like along this road, but there are a few food stands. And so me being hungry in like early 20s, I was like, I'm eating whatever they have here. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't go into detail. It's Sunday morning, but uh, I ate this food. It was delicious. I went and sat back down in my seat on the bus, and we start going. About 10 minutes later, I look at my friend. Not me. Not you. Hope he wasn't there. I look at my friend, and he looks back at me, and we both knew that look because we had both experienced this. So I had about 30 seconds to get where I needed to be. <laughs> so I sprint to the bus driver, and I'm like, you gotta stop, you gotta stop. And my, our translator's helping. He's like, we, we just stopped 10 minutes ago. Why didn't you go to the bathroom there? And I was like, I did. I did go to the bathroom there, but we gotta stop again. And so finally they pull over. I book it off the bus. I come back, relieved, feeling great. And I get on the bus and we take off. And my translator is just so proud of me. He's like, hey, you were so brave. Great job. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but I, it wasn't really adding up. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, like, turn away being called brave. That's great, but it wasn't really adding up. So finally I asked him, like, what made, why was I brave? Like, I, I just had bad food. Like, and he goes, oh, because well, we're along the border of India and Nepal here. And he goes, well, this, you're, this forest, the jungle you went into, he's like, it's the highest density of tigers in the world. <laughs> I said, you're so, you're so brave for going out there. <laughs> and I was, yeah. And I still remember that because I thought he was joking. And no, everyone on the bus, the bus driver was like, yeah, I didn't want to stop, but good job. <laughs> and so, so that, the, the, the point that I'm going to like try to twist the story into um, is, mainly I just want to tell it, but the point is uh, that uh, sometimes there are things that are out of our control, like monsoon season, you can't get a plane back. Sometimes there are things that are in our control, like eating street food you shouldn't have eaten, that prevent us from moving towards where we want to go. So hold that. I'm going to connect it. I promise you. Just hold it. We're going to connect it. But before we go, oh, yeah, I, I totally forgot. There's a picture of me there because I wanted to show how I looked with my long hair so you could get the full reference of who this was traveling. Um, anyways, you can go to the, the next one. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> Colby, you can give us right. some context. Yeah, great. Um, so context for the story, um, touch on the characters a little bit. So at the beginning of the story, we have um, an expert in the law, mm -hmm. um, and he attempts to test Jesus by asking him a question, and Jesus responds um, with a parable, which is kind of a classic Jesus move. Um, he likes to tell stories, and he likes to you know, share um, what he's trying to convey through a story. Um, so the characters in the parable are a man who gets robbed. Um, then we have a priest who passes by on the other side of the road. We have a Levite who passes by on the other side of the road. And a Samaritan who chooses to move towards um, this man on the side of the road. Um, this is a classic parable, um, verse 27. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and, you know, when we were thinking about this, we were like, you know, the classic um, kind of takeaway we get from this story is, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and this kind of idea, it kind of goes even beyond the church, um, you know, just like love your neighbor, like it's a saying almost, mm -hmm. I mean, I imagine worldwide or wherever, right? It's kind of everybody says it when you're trying to convey you want to be nice to people. Um, but as we read, um, some other verses stood out to us, Bennett. Right. So this was kind of our big, like, the classic takeaway. But uh, as we read with Hannah and as we tried to help Hannah get us to write, like, or have us, have her write our sermon for us, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, what stood out to us is verses 33 through 35 um, in Luke 10. So we'll read those. Uh, so starting 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him, into an inn, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. What stood out here is in verse 33 for both of us mm -hmm. was just the, the few words, he went to him. Um, there's no reference here to hesitation or, you know, we don't know, but there is, there's no reference to hesitation or weighing it out or going. It just, all it says is he, he saw him and the very next thing is he went to him. And it's so simple, but it seemed really powerful to say, okay, let's sit on that point. Let's see what's... Um, what we can get from this, because that I don't think had really stood out to either of us before yeah. too much. So, um, again, we're we're new to sermons, and so we decided let's mix it up, and we'll just tell you our main point now to get that out of the way, and then you can hold on to it for the rest of the time. Um, Colby said it's like in some of his classes, the teachers will say, "Here's what you need to know at the beginning of class." That way, if you don't pay attention, you yeah. still know what you need to know. Yeah. Um, so our, our main point, our main takeaway that we're going to dissect for the rest of this time is that Jesus moves towards others in love and calls us to move towards others of love, regardless of obstacles. So simple, but sometimes so difficult to do. Um, this is where I was going to tie my story in that, like, you know, there's obstacles to us moving towards things. Um, so we decided on three things that we found um, from this story, but also were relevant today that prevent us from moving in love towards people. So Colby, do you want to introduce our first one? Yeah, so our first point um, is we're building our own uh, little castles and like quote marks. Um, and Bennett came up with this kind of imagery from a book he read. Yep, so I a while ago read a book called Everybody Always by Bob Goff, and it, uh, it talks about, it just reminded me of this quote where he talks about like sometimes we miss it by we get so focused on building our own little castles. And what um, I believe he meant by that is we get too, it is really easy for us to become kind of obsessed with, with building our own kingdoms here on earth um, and building our own kingdoms for ourselves, right? So this is tricky because there are a lot of things here that aren't inherently bad, I think, that can come into this. So, um, you know, there, are, there is even the, like, the idea of, getting a nice house or, or a good job. Like, these things are not bad. But I think what we're focusing on here is when our mindset changes from 
from being outwardly focused and lovingly focused to um, putting all of our time and energy into building stuff for ourselves, right? Um, so, uh, Colby, do you want to go into yeah. how this kind of relates and why we call them castles? Yeah. Um, okay. So the idea of the imagery of a castle, um, like you know, moving when you're. I guess when you're outside a castle, I've never been outside a castle before, but I imagine when you're outside a castle, um, it's probably pretty intimidating. Like, it's massive walls, uh, massive towers, probably like a drawbridge or like a moat with alligators or something in it. Um, and when we, when we look, we're not just going to want to walk into some castle. Like, you would maybe walk into, like, your best friend's castle or your mom's <laughs> castle, but you're not going to walk in to... Um, some stranger's castle, and even if that stranger is up in their mm -hmm. high tower in their penthouse in their castle, they're even they're shouting to you, "Don't worry, come on in, like it's fine." You're still going to be. Most people, I feel like, would still walk away or would like be a little more like before going in. Um, but if we were to say go out of our castle, um, move to meet that person at the door or go out and bring people to our castle, that, would, that makes more people um, you know, more comfortable with um, joining us in our castle. And the, the imagery of the castle could just be like our, our house, like physically, like, um, or just our means, like what we can do to help others. If we're going out and actively doing those things, um, we're going to reach more people than um, if we just wait for people to come to us. Right. Um, and... That's closing that point. Um, <laughs> bad transition. Uh, it was good. It was good. Um, our second point is called missing the point. Yeah. Lots of points. <laughs> we might have missed that first one. Um, so, um, moving on. Missing the point. This is another thing that we saw uh, really relevant in the scripture and also relevant in our lives today. So, context here. Uh, we read uh, parts of a little book called... Well, by N.T. Wright, like just a commentary mm -hmm. on Luke to kind of give us more insight to what's actually happening here. And because my first, well, we did this because my first reaction was, why didn't the priest and Levite go towards them? And my only understanding was, I think I remember a VeggieTales where like they just had better things to do. And so they moved on. But I was like, that, I don't think that's actually right. Yeah. You know, there probably was more to it. So we, we looked up. Why didn't they move yeah. towards these people? Because it is, like, rather odd, you know? There's, like, this says he, he looks like they left him half dead, and these people just go on by. So what's up with that? And so uh, context here, according to N.T. Wright, is that priests and Levites were not permitted to touch a corpse or not permitted to contaminate themselves by touching a corpse uh, lest they contract impurity, um, which it actually, like, we were talking about this, and it actually yeah. makes a lot of sense, like, there are, especially back then, there are seriously like medical implications that if you, who knows what's going on with this person that died or that you, they, they most likely think is dead, that you, if you're going to keep yourself pure and clean and healthy, you, you don't touch them, right? And so that was, that was a law that they followed um, in order for them, uh, for their priesthood. Um, and uh, yeah, Wright said a quote that I really, really liked. He says that both the priest and the Levite preserved their purity, they followed their, their laws, they preserved their purity at the cost of obedience to the law of God's love. So that, 
what we're doing here, and I think what the scripture is doing is going, yes, these people, they did, they made the right decisions for themselves here, right? Like, this is not good for you to touch a dead person. This is not good for you to, you know, this is only ends poorly for you. However, what I believe Jesus is saying here is the bigger law that actually goes over all of those is, is the simple law gives that, that Jesus gives in the beginning of this parable of love God and love your neighbors. Um, and so, yeah, to preserve the purity of the cost of obedience to the law of God's love. So how, why are we talking about this today? Yeah. Why is this relevant um, today, Colby? When we were talking uh, last night, um, <laughs> we kind of came up with this idea that there are certain people that we maybe um, just are simply nice to, um, or we're just cordial with them um, for various reasons, whether we, whether we have um, religious differences, political differences, um, worldview, like our worldviews don't line up perfectly. Um, we just choose to kind of not associate with them or, you know, kind of step to the side or just kind of move on um, after, you know, just a simple hello. Um, and hopefully we aren't mean to these people, but we're like just moving along. Um, and that's, with this story, that's not Jesus' model, what we were, we were thinking there. Um, it isn't simply to just be nice um, or move along. Um, with this story, he kind of calls us, I feel like, to move towards someone, um, like we were saying earlier, uh, to go out of our own way um, to follow that law of God's love, yeah. um, like N.C. Wright was talking about. Um, and regardless of our differences, of what other people might think, um, or of, you know, how that might affect us, uh, whether it takes time out of our day, whether we have something better to mm-hmm. do, like in the VeggieTales. Um, we probably don't, because the point is that yeah. we need to follow God's law um, of love. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's kind of it, is we, I think that's where we miss the point, is if we think we have better things to do, or if we think that, you know, well, this isn't it. Like, we are missing the point there because that is the thing to do if we're following Jesus. Um, and there is nothing more important than that. Um, so our last thing, our last little point that things that we think prevent us from moving towards people, uh, and then there's more positive things too after this as well. Yeah. Um, our last uh, point of maybe, uh, how do you call it? Not like just being sedentary, not being active, um, is choosing judgment over mercy. So, um, we are going to go to verse 33 again, um, and we will pick up there. So it says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. Another, I think the ESV also says, when he saw him, he took compassion on him. And so, what stood out to us there is that, again, his first reaction to seeing this person is to act in mercy, right? He doesn't, he doesn't go, oh, that's too bad, but he acts in mercy. Um, and it, it got us thinking about what is, genuinely, what is our first reaction when we see someone that is broken or hurting or bloody? Because it's really easy for me to go, well, yeah, of course, you've heard this story so many times, this is the right thing to do. If I was there, I definitely would have stopped for him. But when we start thinking about it in our lives today, I go, what is my first reaction when I see someone that is in need? When I see, because that's something that is really relevant to all of us. When I see someone that is broken, that that we that maybe I don't want to associate with, I, I think. So while we go through this one, I think there's just a and not like a guilt 
ridden chance to like reflect, but and a chance to go. Sometimes I start to get used to the norms of this world, and it's just good to reflect and go, how am I doing on my first reaction? Do I have Jesus coming out of me there? So um, at times, I'll answer it for myself. At times, I have the tendency to begin to rationalize why this person is, is broken or is in their spot, right? So I, I can have um, this unfortunate tendency to go, well, here's why they're where they are, right? Because, well, they did this thing. And the natural consequences of this thing bring them to that thing. So, like, in a way, they chose this decision, they did this. Or sometimes I'll go, well, they're not, they're not doing this, right? And I begin to go to give myself all the reasons of why it's not my problem and why it's, it's because of something they did and this and this and that. And, again, it sounds awful to, like, voice out, but I think I do that in my head a lot of going, well, they did this. And so... Um, I kind of had a, a guess what moment when I was reflecting on this myself where I said, guess what? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. The kingdom of God doesn't operate from the principle of someone getting what they deserve. Right? Like that is so far opposite from the gospel. The whole gospel is that we deserve death. And <clears throat> like really deserve death. And Jesus took that upon himself. And so there's a disconnect there if I... I'm saying, even if it's small scale, well, I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to care for this, and this person because that's on them. They made those decisions. Like, who are, who are we to do that when Jesus has gone so much more out of his way and taken action to move towards us? Um, yeah, to, to take upon what we deserve. Um, I also, something I found that was really interesting here is almost how, and again, uh, Christian Tim, you might have to check the theology here, but, uh, but I almost felt like as I was reading this, the, the Samaritan mirrored Jesus in a way where he, um, in the story of Jesus, where he not only feels mercy for this person, like it says he saw him, he took pity on him, he felt compassion on him, but he moves towards us. He moved towards the broken person. He moved towards the broken person that clearly people thought were dead, like it was dead. Um, not knowing, not thinking, well, I'll just go pat him on the back and say, like, he moved towards someone in a dire situation. Um, and, and he didn't stop there. He kept going and, and brought him until he was fully, like, recovered and redeemed. Um, it reminded me of James 2.13, um, which goes, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. And this part really stuck out where it said, mercy triumphs over judgment. And I think, again, so simple, but a really good point for us to reflect and say, how is, is my worldview lining up with the way I live my, my day-to-day life? How is, you know, if, am I, like, seeing how Jesus loved? Is that, is that influencing the way that I love others? So we're going to do a little recap and then maybe give some, some positive things to finish it off. Yeah. So, um... As we kind of see with these these three ideas and with um, Bennett's story at the beginning, there there can be physical obstacles from mm-hmm. moving towards um, you know physical destinations, or there's um, emotional spiritual um, obstacles of moving towards um, loving others, mm-hmm. um, and being uh, loving with action and loving with mercy. Um, yeah. yeah. So we have some some steps we to have, avoid these obstacles. We have the three the three we laid action out action steps. Yeah. 
Um, three action steps from here on out, because it's all about movement and moving towards people. Um, so our first one is to get outside of our castles and invite people in, right? And so again, very elementary, very simple, but it's just, I think, a good reminder for us to go, are we, we might be, and Hannah said this, which I thought was really good, we might be like setting our table and building up something that's actually really good, and it's for like hospitality and for loving on people, but if we're not actively going out and we're not actively um, inviting people into our lives and loving on them, then it's, nothing's going to come of that. And so, uh, yeah, so very simple, but we need to get outside of our, of our castle, of our fortresses, um, of what we've built up to make ourselves feel comfortable, and invite people into that, invite people into relationship. Uh, our next action step is to get uncomfortable, is to break our norms. Um, again, very simple, but I think something that we can do in our day-to-day is when, we, when it's more convenient to go by someone, um, it's, just to, it's just to stop and reflect and say, okay, like, am I living by what's convenient for me and what's comfortable for me, or am I, like, seriously, I don't know, like, letting Jesus' love that he's shown me reflect in how I live mm-hmm. out everything else. And our last one, you guessed it, choosing mercy over judgment. Um, and for all of these things, again, I think they're, what's difficult is they're a little bit like, yes, of course, I'm going to do that, but how do I do that? And so I think the, the big thing we want to leave you with is, is getting vulnerable, getting humble, and, and spending time with Jesus. Even just taking these ideas to Jesus and say, okay, Lord, where am I, you know, potentially falling short in here, and how do I live in your love more? And I think that's where we'll start to line up with him more. It's not... I feel like it's less of a like practical steps of do these three things and you'll be good. I think it's more of, okay, I want us to take these um, and, and get alone with Jesus and just process them and see perhaps where uh, he wants us to love like him more. So I believe that's what we've got for today. So I'm going to pray, um, and then we will go back into some worship. Lord, we love you. Uh, God, we're so grateful to be up here on, on Youth Sunday and to, um, yeah, I think just get a bigger picture of who this church is, of how uh, multi-generational it is, of, yeah, just how beautiful it is to live in your community, Lord. I pray that uh, we would take some of this to heart, God, and, uh, and, and, yeah, just get alone with you and ask where we can love more like you, Jesus, and maybe where we can get a little more uncomfortable and where we can begin to break some of the norms that we've built up in our lives. Um, and where we can invite people in. Lord, I even pray that you would point out specific people um, or or areas of our life that are simple ways to start looking like you more. Uh, I pray that all of this, Jesus, would flow from a a spot of knowing that you did this for us, that you moved towards us actively, that you did not hesitate, um, and now we get to do the same. So we love you, Jesus. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Church. For more info on this and other sermons, visit us online at hcbellingham.com or join us at 9 or 11 a.m. any Sunday morning, 1400 Larrabee Ave, Bellingham, Washington.